Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills From Afar podcast. You're joined with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host, Charlie. Charlie, how you doing? Just about recovered. Uh, I think the trauma of Sunday has kind of subsided. I uh, feel better than I did did yesterday. <laughs> I think yeah. I think my problem was because it's week one, you have this massive long build-up to week one. And then when you have a game like that, which to be honest was pretty, pretty tough, it just felt like a massive disappointment, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping that, that Sunday will be better. We'll see a bounce back uh, against the Dolphins. And anyone that's going to be watching the Dolphins game, I will be at our new uh, Bills Backers pub in London, uh, Fitzrovia Bell. So please feel free to come down and join me for a, for a pint or two and maybe some wings or something um, if you want to. But yeah, doing all right. I'm optimistic now that we're going to see a good bounce back. One thing we know about McDermott is that he won't rest on the laurels and they'll all work hard. Yeah, definitely. And it's the Dolphins. And uh, later this week, we will be doing a separate Dolphins preview. But, you know, we know with how Allen's played against the Dolphins before, that's like the perfect bounce back game in my in my mind. Like everyone says about the heat and obviously that's a factor when it when you play Miami in September. But I think it's better doing it this way at the start of a season where, you know, in Buffalo, it's what, 70, 80 degrees Fahrenheit I was seeing um, in like recent weeks to doing that in December and coming from Buffalo where it's, you know, really cold and snowy going to, you know, Miami and playing in the, that heat. I think it's a better transition to have it like right at the start of the season. So um, yeah, it's a, a perfect bounce back game. So let's uh, fingers crossed um, that we can bounce back and we don't uh, have a two game deficit against them because that'll be a little bit worrying, but we'll uh, touch on that later this week. So yeah, we're here to review the Steelers game and how we're structuring this is we're going to have like general thoughts, like the main talking points that we both have Um Overall, and then we'll move on things that we liked and didn't like on both defense and offense. And then at the end, we'll do a summary of the like bets that we've done and if we were successful. And then an awards section as well, which all of this is new. This is our first like main regular season podcast. So, um, yeah, that's the structure that we're proceeding with for the game reviews. So we'll start there then. So, Charlie, like, what are your main like talking points from the game? All right, well, I got a good one first. I think the positive is that the defense is back. I thought the defense looked really good. Um, it didn't give up many points. And obviously, there was the, um, the special teams um, issue, uh, which cost us seven points. But the defense gave them very, very little. We were worried about the run defense. We were worried about them defending uh, tight ends. Neither of those were problems in the end. I thought they contained incredibly well, especially without starting too late. And so, yeah, I think the big plus is this defense looked like the defense of two years ago. Um, mm. And um, that's that's really, really great to see. Didn't get an awful lot of pass rush, but then I, I'm not sure that was their intention. It seemed like they maybe they were playing a lot of contain because Roethlisberger gets it out of his hands so quickly. Uh, but yeah, that's the big positive takeaway. I think the big negative takeaway is that the offensive line looked like an absolute shambles. Um, yeah. It's the worst I've ever seen Dion Dawkins play. I, I, there's a good chance, I guess, that he's still struggling with you know, getting back to full fitness after COVID, uh, but he didn't look ready. I'm sure he will bounce back. I'm sure that won't be the Dion Dawkins we see for the rest of the season. But, you know, our tackles really struggled. The interior of the offensive line struggled. Um, and, uh, you know, that put, put us under massive amounts of pressure. You've got to think that Dawkins being out for COVID for so, so much of training camp, that's got to put him behind. Like, he had the, I don't know what, 
quarter and a bit against the Packers in the last game and he looked good, but that's the second and third stringers that he was playing against. It wasn't the likes of uh, Melvin Ingram, you know, and a season like that, he's uh, had a very productive career, you know. Um, He was someone, yeah, that I identified as well on the uh, offensive line, like the pass protection was terrible. 18 total pressures given up. Um, I think Dawkins contributed to, uh, I think it was eight or ten of those pressures uh, from the outside. He's just abused all game. And then he had the free holding penalties. Overall, there was five, and that just simply isn't good enough. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we have to say that I think a lot of those holding penalties were, were just because they were getting owned and they were struggling. Yeah. Um, that's usually symptomatic of, of, of really struggling. And you, you saw a lot of them were just, they were trying to project Josh in any way they could, but they were just getting absolutely battered. I think the only upside I would say is we're not going to face a defence defensive line as good as that very often. (laughs) But I mean, what was crazy though, is they were, they were getting through, um, you know, they were just dropping everybody else into coverage and, and, and they weren't, they weren't blitzing. It was just the off, the defensive line was just getting through so, so easily um, anywhere. It seemed to want to attack. And the other weird thing about it is that normally we're used to when Josh is under pressure in rolling out to his right, creating some space, getting out there and making a play. You didn't see very much of that at all. No. And we didn't see a lot of variance in the game plan. You know, normally you might expect to see some screens, you know, um, but because we're dropping so many, uh, there wasn't an awful lot of a lot of space for him to throw into. And um, he ended up throwing into a lot of double coverage. I thought there's a lot of could have been intercepted passes here and there. Um, it was not pretty. That's fair to say. No. What, was, what were your main takeaways from it? Well, my main area of focus like I'll break down the defence and offence in a little while but I think it was mainly the lack of execution on offence and the coaching and play calling like the wrong calls especially on fourth down that was my biggest bugbear like clearly the fourth and one breeder toss um, just did not work at all the cornerback uh, Cameron Sutton he just saw that from his vantage point and completely destroyed the play. I, just, I was just if thinking, that come off though, everyone would have gone, "Oh, that's a brilliant play." I, I mean, they would have, yeah, but yeah. I thought it was so risky because I don't think Josh Allen has ever failed on a fourth and one attempt. He was close to it in the Cowboys Thanksgiving game, but he managed to get through that and, and pick up the ball and you know get it across the, the and move the chains. But I was just thinking, just sneak it. You know, you know that that works. They're not going to be able to stop that, even if they know it's coming. It's still yep. a yard, and well, they, you've got I mean, all they, those big guys in there, you know. They could have brought Reggie Gilliam in to, you know, be a, uh, you know, that sort of fullback, you know, block for him a little bit, create a bit of space. It did seem like a weird play. I mean, Josh was running, like, there's a lot of design runs there, wasn't there? It was weird. I really wasn't expecting yeah. to see that. Um, and I, I can only assume it's because there was a lot of you know, light boxes and he saw the space and thought, well, what, why not? But it led, there's quite a few design quarterback runs, which I, I you know, just didn't expect. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Like, because the pass rush was in his face all game, I felt like he was you know, making those decisions too quickly almost. Like, he, he's expecting pressure um, as soon as he got the ball. And a lot of the time, you could just see he won't, he wasn't really like looking to make the throw. He's just trying to get out and escape the pressure and make something happen. And a lot of the times, like, you know, he, I don't think he, there was. Many, many times at all, I can't actually recall one where he'd be able to escape and scramble to his right. Um, yeah. It was on, he'd done it on the left, but that's when he got the fu- um, cause for fumble, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. TJ yep. Watt came around and took the ball away and 
I mean, it could have been, uh, the only thing I can think of is they thought, well, we've got a lot of light boxes here. So let Josh, you run into the space that you're seeing in front of you. And that's going to force them to bring the linebackers back in and maybe open up some space in coverage for the pass game later. But if that was the plan, it didn't seem to work. I mean, what did he throw? Something like, what, 51 attempts, 30 completions. Set, felt like there was a lot of hero ball towards the end of the game as well. So the second half, yeah. it felt like he was trying to force it, which we kind of kind of got past that last season, really. And something when we saw him against the Packers, it was super controlled. So that was a little bit unnerving. It's one of his worst games in terms of completion percentage um, that he's had as a bill. So... Mm. He definitely seemed a bit rattled. It wasn't the same Josh that we were seeing, you know, in the middle part of and towards the end of last season. Um, but but, but those game fans no... back, you know, yeah. hyped up, um, wanting to do it for the for the crowd. I don't know, but it, it was it was a long way away from where he was. But there was no reason to panic. Like at the start of the fourth quarter, we were seven points up, and within five and a half minutes, we were down by ten. You know, the yeah. fourth and one you know, failure for Breedatos, as I mentioned, like that completely changed the momentum of the game from my perspective. It just start. it was the start of a disastrous fourth quarter and just snowballed from there. Like we didn't make that play. Um, we gave a short field at Pitt, Pittsburgh 48. They never had that field position because we always had that uh, field position advantage. We started some really good uh, areas on the pitch. Like you think of the, the first kick return, McKenzie gets 75 yards and you're like, you know, this is, this is great. This is. Um, he was good, wasn't he? he? I mean, like there was not a, he, he was solid in his securing. I felt like he made, he made pretty good decisions in the main. There was one I wasn't yeah. sure about, but you know, he's still new to this. So I'm giving him a bit of better for the doubt. That first kick return, I was, I was jumping off my sofa and I thought actually that, that inability to punch it in after he'd done that, given the field position, I was like, yeah. oh no. Because last season, I felt we would have punched that in, no question, no question. Whoever we were playing, we were just so effective once we got that far up the field. Yeah, and I remember a few games last season, Seahawks stands out where Andre Roberts would make a really good return. I think he got it to a 45-yard line in last yeah. season's game. And I think within two seconds, there was a McKenzie touchdown from that. You know, it was so efficient. So I know it's week one, you know, they're going to take time to... Um, Get 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 back into the swing of things and you know get that efficiency again. Um, but it just stood out to me that overall the red zone efficiency we had four trips and I think we scored one touchdown. You know that just says a lot. Last season we were one of the most efficient um, offenses in the red zone. We were the most efficient on third down, and I felt like especially in the second half, like we could convert those third downs and you know we were just giving the ball away. Um, you know, without really causing much damage. One thing that I, I wanted to check with you and see if, how you felt about this was it felt like, uh, well, to start off with, we were going to Beasley a lot, which is absolutely what I was expecting. You may remember the bet of going for over um, the four and a half receptions and yeah. Beasley got that. He got eight. So we knew that was the, going to be the game plan of, of attacking that center of the field. They seemed to go away from that. And then there seemed to be a lot more of attacking Sanders and Diggs, you know, all over the, over the field. But they, it was a lot of, I would say, errant passes, but passes not exactly where they should have been. And there was also quite a lot of drops, um, especially from Sanders. I think he had, what, uh, what, eight targets and four receptions. And it seemed to me that although we, we all sort of felt that this secondary was going to be a problem, they had so many people drop back in coverage that everybody felt, it felt like everyone was being in double coverage. And I just wondered whether 
should we have actually been going to the likes of Gabriel Davis, maybe using Dawson Knox some more, maybe bringing um, uh, touchdown Jesus in and going to, you know, for these contested catch guys who perhaps with a bigger body um, can you know, own some of these uh, smaller corners and just try something different. It felt like what we were, what, we, what we, it just wasn't working. And yeah. I thought it was frustrating to me. I'm thinking, you know, why are we not just trying anything different? Try some screens, try some hurry up, you know, even in the second quarter, if we need to just do something to put this defense on its back foot because they're absolutely bossing us. I mean, I didn't feel good at halftime. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. We're 10, 10 points up, but it didn't feel comfortable, right? I know. I, I forgot, like, because between the NFL seasons takes X amount of months, you know, eight, nine months in between. I forgot how snacky I get, like, during the Bills <laughs> games. Like, I, I made sure during the day I actually bought some snacks, went back out. I had the wings already in the house, but I had to get some more things. And I failed myself at the halftime, like, needing some food, because although we were up, um, I just didn't feel comfortable like you. Um, and, you know, despite being dominant on... Uh, defense it did feel like and you could sense that in the stadium as well when you're watching it like there was a lot of agitation in that um you know uh, second half about the game and um I think a lot of us weren't comfortable with it and we just didn't as you said do enough like we only had six um six bills make receptions and I was expecting that to be slightly higher. Like we didn't see, can't remember seeing McKenzie on the field for, you know, passing uh, reps. I imagine, you know, he was, I can't remember what the counts were now, but no Jake Kumaro, as you say, touchdown Jesus. Um, yeah, it was just a little bit disappointing. They did use Dawson Knox a little bit more than I expected, but for four catches, 40 yards, I think his stat line was. And he, and looked, was he good. looked good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he looked no really drops. solid, really solid. And I felt, I felt we could have used him more. Yeah. Um, you know, well, he was, he was, I think I was one of his most tidy games, no drops, what, well, you know, 10, 10 yards, a, a completion, you know, play the hot hand. If that's working, keep playing it. And it, it was clear to me that there wasn't perfect sync with Sanders. It's understandable. It's the first, you know, regular season game together, but it felt like, yeah, there was just something not right in sync with, with, with Josh and the receivers. And I think they were in a lot of yeah, really tight coverage, which, yeah, it was 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 hard to hard to watch at times, and the fact that there was less players making receptions compared to um, rushes, I just thought you know there, there was an imbalance. You look at the stats; Allen completed fifty-one passes, and when you exclude Josh Allen rushes, there was only sixteen rushes from Singletary and Breeder. So it was really just a completely imbalanced. Um, game script and you expect that with the strength being the receivers but I just felt like you know there's got to be another way like we were running the ball well especially um, mm. later on in the game you know Singletary had a big 25 yard run and I was just thinking yeah, you know, I mean, there, there was there's surely some other way of getting those guys a bit more involved so this is another weird thing so we talked earlier about the fact that Josh was doing they had these design runs and, and maybe some some less design runs as well from Josh simply because he had these light boxes. Well, it seemed like it took us a long time to wake up to the idea we had actually a perfectly decent running back in Devin Singletary who could have a go at run, <laughs> running as well. And, you know, he averaged six and a half yards a carry, um, which, which is fantastic. It was weird. I, I don't know. There was something, the, the, the play calling, the whole game plan, the reaction to what the Steelers was doing, it didn't feel we were on our best day, um, quite a long way short from it. 
How do you feel about this interior O-line group, considering the amount of pressures given up the middle? Like, uh, I'm, we had a off-season podcast, I remember, and we talked about each game and our opponents, and I said that the Pittsburgh Steelers game would be a fantastic benchmark for both sides of the trenches, because you've got their fantastic D-line, and they got, especially Cameron Hayward, who had a match magnificent game again for them he gave us so much um cause for concern he put so much pressures on us last year and that i was thinking you know this is a real benchmark this will this will show us how far they've come and i just felt completely um disappointed by that interior group yeah especially feliciano like yeah exactly you know it's unbelievable Yeah, they all look they all look rusty. But I mean, the thing about an offensive line is it's it's to me it's not about as much about the individuals. It's more about how they play as a unit, and they, they weren't playing as a unit. Um, it felt like they were being absolutely dominated. Um, I mean, look, this Steelers defensive line is is very very good. You know, it's one of the best yeah. in the NFL. But we're going to need to perform an awful lot better if this team wants to be what it what it should be. Um, and go for a deep run in the playoffs and potentially make it to a Super Bowl. It's got a long, long way away from that. So, yeah, it's definitely a concern. Um, I mean, I think there's potential for hope, and there's, there's two big, big, big things that I think may give us some hope. One is that Dawkins did clearly wasn't himself. That wasn't just a re- that wasn't just an owning. That was him not at it. And I think the lack of preseason, the COVID. It's maybe just takes him a little bit longer to get back to where he, where he needs to be. The second thing is that Cody Ford still hasn't played an awful lot of football and he's played even less at guard. So Brandon Bean clearly really believes in, in Cody Ford. And I think that there's a still potential that, that Cody Ford will, will improve, but Feliciano is a concern. I think he was a concern to most people. Um, certainly uh, Bill's mafia um, going into the draft, you know, could have could have drafted a guard, uh, could have drafted yeah. a cornerback. Both would have been handy, um, but um, yeah, we, we we didn't. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure there's an awful lot we can do. But what I will say is that if we are getting owned like that, then we need to adapt the game plan. We need we need a, an alternative strategy here because we can't just have Josh, who seemed determined to sit in the pocket for as long as he possibly could, waiting for someone to get open. And because they dropped so many people into coverage, it was really tough. So it felt like a sort of confluence of everything, everything uh, being a struggle. Wide receivers not not on it. Josh mentally not quite there. And the offensive line, a bit of a shambles, if we're honest. Yeah. And I think the fact that I talked about in the last podcast about the fact that I had concerns about us being too one-dimensional. One we didn't make any upgrades in both the tight end and running back areas. Like there was wide reports about if Travis CTM was for, you know on the board at pick thirty, that's for what player we were going to take. So that would have I know he's now had a season-ending injury, but things might have changed. But you know he might not have had that injury with the Bills. And then the tight end room being said in the off season that, you know, we'll look to improve that area. And obviously the wide reports about Ertz and everything. And we didn't improve those areas. We actually, you know, in some ways, especially in t- the tight ends, we, we digressed a little bit. Whereas, you know, we only brought in Breeder, which was meant to be that Etienne, like cheap, um, you know, kind of guy, the speedy guy. Um, so that puts even more emphasis on chucking to the wide receivers. Therefore, our pass protection needs to be a lot better on point all games. Otherwise, if we don't sharpen that up, then I have legitimate concerns about our success this season. However, as I said, it's still one game, you know. And let's face Miami, it, yeah. we weren't the only uh, 
the only team to make a mess of the bed this weekend. No, of course you have the Packers <laughs> you know, we struggling. Were, we're not, and... Yeah, the Packers it was was it was insane. Um, yeah. So week one is a can can mislead. It really can, and you just know that McDermott's going to have them absolutely working their backsides off yeah. this week and refocus for that trip to Miami. I think we'll see a different team. I hope we'll see a different team on on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I think we will. And um, just moving on to the defence. So um, you mentioned a lot of the points that I had um, earlier. Um, one other point that I noticed, tackling was much improved. They seem to be a lot more physical in the tackle. I don't really remember too many uh, missed tackles and, you know, Steelers players running through them, especially we talked about the run D being really good. Uh, excellent. I think that was our strongest point, actually, the whole game. It was a surprise to me. Like, as you mentioned um, Ed Oliver, um, Gregory Rousseau, they all stood out. The linebackers, that helped allow them to have three lanes to get to uh, Najee Harris. It's predominantly him. I can't really remember any other Steelers running back being in the game. That really helped. As you said, initially, the pass rush was promising in the first half. We got us a couple of sacks, but that faded in the second half for me. Um, Miami game will be a better game to judge. We've talked about the fact that the Steelers have one of the best D-lines in the NFL. So... The Dolphins, they do things a little bit differently. They're, they don't necessarily have the names. They've got most of their money invested in the back end. So they've got to try and create organic pass rush, which will mean more blitzes. We'll talk about them later this week. But that should, you know, we're not facing the caliber that caliber that the Steelers have. So that's just and, other and not will we until to... we play Washington. No. Yeah, that, that'll be a concerning game when we get there. But Let's again, hope we've improved by then. Otherwise, yeah. Chase Young's going to have a field day. Fingers crossed. So, then, do you have any um, other points uh, tonight? No, I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, it, it is what it is, um, which is uh, not a great start. But, um, you know, I think we need to be careful not getting too down on this. This is just week one. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, I think we, we've said it all. We've said it all. It just felt like, yeah, it just felt like everything kind of went against us at times. Like, you know, there were some deep throws. The one with Sanders, that was only a couple of yards yards in front of him. If he connected on that, if we blocked that punt, the, the first Steelers punt, I've seen some uh, of a video of it earlier uh, today. We were so close to blocking that. I think Matt Kavich was in there and nearly blocked it. And then also, obviously, our the pun that got blocked for us, you know, if we didn't allow the, the guy to come through, then it could have been so much different. Uh, you know, it could have just... I think the so result different. could have been different. The yeah. performance still wasn't great. Uh, but you're right. Yes. I mean, that special teams, that's going to get cleaned up. That's a week one, you know, uh, you know, error, isn't it? That's the sort of thing that um, uh, they'll fix on the training ground and get that sorted out. I'm not worried about special teams, anything like as much as I was. Um, but, you know, I think... Uh, McKenzie actually gave me a lot of reasons for optimism on special teams. <laughs> Tyler Bass nailed every kick, as we've come to expect. Um, Matt Hawk still, you know, got to prove himself, of course. Didn't seem to speed up, did he? He didn't, get any, he didn't seem to react to the fact that he had pressure coming in his face. Um, no. So he clearly didn't see it. Um, but as I said, I'm not, it's too early to be worrying about something like that. I think that'll get cleaned up on the training. And I put that down really to a week one, uh, you know, just rustiness. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the awards then in that case. So mm -hmm. we've got three categories at the moment. This will probably evolve and um, we will include a section about, um, you know, almost like Bill's power ranking 
questions. What players are we hot on at the moment? What are we not? Um, but it's the first week. We're not going to do that. We'll wait till the Dolphins game is concluded and the review for that game. So we've got just three awards at the moment, just game MVP, moment of the game, and then surprise of the game. So if you'd uh, like to um, nominate your game MVP, Charlie. Yeah, uh, one of my favourites, Ed Oliver. I thought he was great. Um, he really flashed um, QB pressures, um, tackles for a loss. Um, he looked within the context of the fact that he didn't have star working beside him. I thought it was a surprisingly good performance because an awful lot of people, including myself, assumed and thought that the reason he didn't progress as much or really at all last year was because you know he was getting double teamed so much. Now, I'm not somebody who watches a lot of film in detail. Don't go back and look at the old 22, but I wonder whether our improved pass rush just gave their offensive line a bit more to think about. And actually it was other other players who were getting double teamed. I would need to go and look and see. But I think given the fact that Star wasn't there, it was an especially promising and encouraging performance that hopefully we'll see a lot more of uh, through the season. What about yours? What was your game MVP? Yeah, so mine that I felt like made um, the most plays, he certainly showed up in the box score the most, was Jordan Poyer. Like, we all know it. Like, he's Mr. Consistent. Should have been nominated to a Pro Bowl last year. Or, sorry, not nominated. He should have been put into the Pro Bowl last year. It didn't happen. Um, he done really well, actually, on the blitz. Like, he caused a sack, tackles for loss uh, as well. Uh, on the line of scrimmage and then a quarterback hit. Um, I just think he stands down. When he when he comes to the line and make, can make plays uh, on the quarterback, uh, he's invaluable from that aspect. And then in coverage, he didn't allow uh, any passes. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought he, a fantastic performance from him. And it's something that we, we've grown to expect now. You know, him and Hyde at the back end have been, you know, playing so well together for three years now. It's nothing unusual or surprising when yeah. Jordan Poyer makes plays like that. Absolutely. I thought Hyde played well as well in the main. Yeah, yeah. That would have actually been, my game MVP would have been Singletary just because um, I think a six and a half yards per carry, a really nice 25 yard rush. And towards, uh, I think, third quarter. Um, but he uh, had the two fumbles and we need to take better care of the ball overall. I think it was four fumbles in total. Um, not all, you know, lost and turned over, but, you know, Singletary just needs to take more care. And he's had issues with that a little bit before. And I do wonder if next game is Moss was inactive for this game, whether we'll see him uh, come through. So, yeah, it would have been Singletary other than the fumbles, but I thought Jordan Poyer stood out to me as well. So what about your moment of the game? Like, what was the I think key it's defining the, play? I think, I think you mentioned it earlier. It's the miss downfield to Sanders, which Joe overthrew him, um, Josh overthrew him by about, you know, three or four yards. That If he nails that, I think that changes the momentum of the game. Um, Josh was looking for the deep ball. We've seen him struggle with the deep ball in the past, but I think... Um, yeah, that would have really um, put the game on its head. And I think it would have given them more to worry about. So, yeah, I think that was the turning point. I mean, we can talk about the you know, block punt, sure. But I think uh, the, the pressure changes when you're, when you're leading by a certain amount. And um, it felt like that was the sort of pass we should be connecting on. You know, Sanders had got past his guy. Um, it was a yeah. touchdown in waiting. And uh, yeah, yeah, frustrating. Very, very frustrating that we didn't uh, didn't get that. What about yours? Yeah, so mine was for fourth and one failure. As I said, that really changed the momentum. Within five and a half minutes, we went from 
being up by seven points to losing by 10. So that had a huge impact. And I think it was not the right play call in a situation, as I said before. Um, you know, if in doubt, if you're only one yard away from uh, moving the chains, just uh, allow Allen to, you know, stretch ahead and get it, you know. Um, I know they're expecting it, but it would have, you know, it's got such a high, you know, rate of completion and success that it just seemed a bit baffling in my mind to change that. They're a bit too cute, weren't they? And a bit too, uh, trying to be too clever with it. Whereas, you know, the play is going to be successful. Just, work, you know, focus on the analytics. It's going to tell you that that, that type of play would have been successful. Um, but they went away from that. So that was my moment just because although it was getting towards that kind of, you know, you could feel the momentum was changing, that really did give them the field position to capitalise on. And in essence, it did change the, change the game. What about your surprise of the game? So... I'm going to go with Brian Dable seemingly lack of adaption to what we were seeing, or certainly the type of adaption that he made wasn't effective. We had issues last year um, and actually the last couple of years in the third quarter where we'd go up, have a good first half, the offense, sorry, the, the, um, the opposition then learns what the bills are doing, adapts to it. And we don't react to that. And then the game ends up an awful lot closer than we, we perhaps would have, would have liked. And this was another one where, you know, we went in 10, 10, nothing up. All right. Not great. It was the first quarter. The first half was definitely uh, stressful and it didn't feel great, but we were up and we came out and made very little impact from that on that point onwards. So obviously they made some changes. They brought Singletary into the game more, which was, which was good, but I don't know. It just seemed like we were just trying the same thing over and over and again and banging our head against the wall. Um, so I think that's something we need to watch out for again this season is, is can we react to when, when the opposition does something different? Um, because the defense really kept us in that game for an awful long longer than perhaps we may have deserved to. Um, it's that it's been a while since we've seen us that neutered on on offense. Probably back since the Titans game, maybe last season. I can't think of more. You know, the Jets game where we only scored field goals, but it, it doesn't happen very often. So yeah, that lack of adaption—that's my biggest surprise. I mean, this is a bright um, coaching staff, and I felt like we should have had better answers. Yeah, what about yours. So I think it was the going for and the fourth and eight. So the moment and surprise have both been fourth and one, fourth and eight um, <laughs> chances. But I just thought it was really out of character for McDermott. We know he's more of a defensive, you know, orientated guy. And you think where we were on the Pittsburgh 35 and um, went up by 10, fourth and eight, you know, in that field position, was it really worth a gamble? You know, it was within... Tyler Bass's field goal range. I thought that was a bit bizarre that, you know, he didn't go for that and go up by a touchdown. Again, if it was fourth and two, fourth and one, I'd understand that. And that would make complete sense to me. But fourth and eight, you know, the yeah. prob probability of, you know, achieving that, you know, I know of this passing game, you know, has been fantastic. And we've, you know, done some fantastic things last season. But I just thought I was too much of a gamble and I was just really surprised I thought I was completely out of character for what Sean McDermott has shown us yeah and um 
I would yeah. have taken. I would have given given Bass the kick. I mean, maybe it was yeah. a bit windy. You know, you obviously can't tell you're on TV. I was looking at the flags, but it it's, it sounds, it seemed seemed like a, a kick that the Bass had. Is well, we know he can make those kicks from that distance. Um, just back your back your kicker. That's what he's there for. Yeah. All right. So should we move on to our bets then? Um, yeah. Both had two bets. Um, my first bet was that we should take the over on Beasley and that was at four and a half was the line. I was very grateful that that was achieved very early on in the game. I think he had eight, uh, eight to eight nine receptions yeah. in the end. Yeah. So um, yeah, something to keep an eye out for, you know, especially when you, you're dealing with teams that um, struggling in that zone in the field, we will use Beasley. And um, so that was a win. Um, my other bet was we had a rushing touchdown from both Najee Harris and from Josh Allen, which obviously neither of which happened, but um, the odds on the over were such that I still ended up up. So if you, if you followed my bets, you made a little bit of money. What about yours? What were your uh, bets? Can you remind us all? Yeah. So mine technically both lost and I say technically they both did lose, but <laughs> I was actually in profit because I'd done a few more afterwards and I'll go through those in a second. So my first one was the, we talked about the imbalance, well, the, 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 what we thought was an imbalance between our wide receivers and their cornerbacks. So I was really high on the overs for passing yards from Josh Allen. Um, and he got quite close, actually. The line was at 284.5 and he got to 270. So despite uh, what we thought, you know, Josh Allen had a poor game, we'd have probably taken those yards two seasons ago. So yeah, the it was issue only... was not the distance, it was the it was the percentage of completions, wasn't it? If you'd taken the yeah. taken the over on the uh, on the completions, you would have nailed yeah, it easily. <laughs> 36 completions. I think it's like five point three yards per attempt, which is way under what we have come to know from Josh. So yeah, if Saunders one had connected, that would have easily uh won. But uh, that didn't win. And then secondly was my long shot bet, which was uh, Dawson Knox, uh, first touchdown. That didn't come in. But actually, I looked at the, the markets before because I'd said before about Dawson Knox a couple of times being at 40 to 1. And I don't know if I were listening to his podcast. I think you made the, you texted me, didn't you? made the comment about that. But it was actually 18 to 1. So his uh, price had come down quite considerably to what we've been used to last season. So I had a look. And the... Uh, person that stood out to me who had like the longest odds but was a realistic person to score a touchdown was Gabe Davis and actually came through so I only put 50p on that and uh, he won at 20 to 1 so great um, yeah um, based on that I was actually uh, made a profit so um, yeah it was a good day overall actually in terms of betting uh, any day that you make a, a small profit is uh, what you're looking for so yeah both of the ones that I predicted uh, in the preview didn't come in but overall I made a profit so I can't complain so we'll have more bets for everyone to think about uh, on uh, our next pod probably out on Friday I think the main thing to think about is just bet the overs on the receivers like regardless of what receivers it is other than Knox and the running backs I think any of Beasley, Saunders, uh, Diggs and we're Davis, if lot. you find any of them, they're going <laughs> to yeah. pass a lot. You know, Beasley at four and a half uh, receptions, that just seems pretty criminal to me to be at that. And we noticed, didn't we, after the pod, uh, we didn't talk about Diggs specifically and his over and un- under, but his went up by one to seven and a half and he still made it. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, go heavy on the overs, on the wide receivers. The, the, the bookies will catch up with this eventually, but for now. They will, but the, for take, now. Take the profits, yeah. Take advantage of it, definitely. Good. Anything else to cover for today? 
No, I don't think so. I think we're just all raring to watch us against the Dolphins and hope that we can bounce back against one of Josh Allen's favourite opponents. So it's got to be better, hasn't it? It's got to be better. It can't be much worse. I thought that was a really rough, rough game to open the season with. Uh, well, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Um, this has been the Bills from Afar podcast. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we will be, well, I will be making an appearance at the Filtrovia Bell in London uh, for the first time. Uh, it just seemed like there was a good crowd uh, this Sunday. Um, so yeah, looking forward to meeting a few of you. If you're, if you're down, if you listen to the pod, give me a shout. I will be there. Uh, just look out for me and, um, yeah, maybe I'll buy you a beer if, uh, if you say something nice about the pod, uh, let's, let's see how that goes, but, um, you can get in touch with us if you want on the emails, uh, we're bills from afar at gmail.com. You can also tweet us, um, bills the far on Twitter or individually. I'm Charlie underscore sport and my co-host is Tim Rudge 90. Um, we are part of the red, white and Buffalo blue podcast and i think tim you're going to be on their show this week on on thursday is that right yeah i'll be tunes two game preview so i'll be both on the red white and buffalo blues podcast and then our own to cover the dolphins matchup so i'm looking forward to it fantastic you also will see on twitter that we've announced um the formerly this uh, party we're going to have for bills fans in london for the uh, coincide with the jags game so look out for that um that's uh, available on the uk bills uh, twitter feed if you want details of that it would be great to get a load of us together and have a really good uh, day and hopefully a nice con- convincing win against uh, the first overall pick um so yeah for now um goodbye thank you and go bills <laughs>